all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Well, we've got some good news surrounding HMOs. More to come on that in a second. We've got a couple of questions, thanks to those that sent them in from listeners. We're talking about campsites, C3B dwellings, and whether some old planning is extant or not. And we've submitted some planning on another site, so we'll cover that in shortly. Yes, on another site, we've hit a slight hurdle, so we'll we'll cover that as well. So time for me to stop rambling and so without further ado let's get started but before we do please do like review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey before i do start a big thank you to everyone that downloaded last week's episode and it is really good to be back i've had several comments from listeners saying how good it is and how much they enjoyed the episode so keep on listening and don't forget just to get in touch if you've got questions if you've got any issues if you've got some news for me that i can share with others then please do send me an email it's ian at propertyonfire.co.uk or you can contact me via whatsapp pigeon post i don't mind i'm easy to find so please do get in touch if you'd like to have anything raised on this podcast If you're involved in property and any form of development, whether that be a refurb or building something, you'll know that things do not always go rapidly. It can be quite a long process. And Jonathan, my business partner and I, we've been working on a site down in Newquay in Cornwall. We've probably been working on this for about two years, working in conjunction with the vendors, It's a brownfield site. We have to demolish a building. And we're pleased to say that we have finally submitted planning on this. It's taken considerably longer than we had hoped. But with a a site that is on the riverside, there are quite a few reports. And it didn't get helped by the fact that we discovered the bat. And as I shared last week, we've actually having to put into the plans a rather large bat house. But we've finally submitted those plans. So I'm glad that they've now been submitted to Cornwall Council. And we're actually hoping to construct, or we will construct, let's, let's be positive about this. We will construct uh, 20 apartments and four houses on, on the site. So really looking forward to the next few months as we go through the planning process. Um, and we're actually applying for and using hopefully vacant building credit and what vacant building credit is it allows us to offset um, the space we have in the building against affordable housing and stuff like that so we can actually offset save ourselves probably round it on this particular site we would have to do a contribution in lieu of affordable housing and i would say it's probably going to save us around about a million pounds so i'm not complaining too much there but there are an awful lot of other fees uh, that we are going to have to pay uh, as part of the section 106 to the local community which we have no issues 
we're doing whatsoever. And we're actually on the lookout now for another site within Cornwall or within the Newquay area that we can actually build some affordable housing on. And if we can find that land, we'll actually dedicate that land solely for affordable housing. And we have a brand set up specially for that called Call Homes, which I don't tend to talk about too often because it's not that active, if I'm honest. Um, but we are looking for a site that we can actively build some affordable homes because this particular site is not suitable really for affordable dwellings. Hence, the contribution would have been required normally. But due to the vacant building credit, which is available on any building that's not been abandoned but is vacant um, and is going to be sort of demolished replaced with housing is available to you throughout England thanks to some legislation that was passed by the government a few years ago on another site of ours we've actually hit a bit of a hurdle um, or quite a bit of one to be quite honest this is on a some land that is adjoining our 14 bungalow site in Westwood Ho in North Devon we had agreed with the vendor who we bought the first parcel of land off to actually buy the second parcel of land uh, after his previous buyer if it fell out of bed with them we negotiated a good price and said yes sure we can buy it fairly short period of time we could buy this extra piece of land however unfortunately the funding didn't quite come through as quickly as we had hoped from the bank it had all been agreed but unfortunately some of the times these things get held up in in credit control and as a result of that we were not able to complete in time for monday last so as a result of that the vendor quite within their rights has uh, given us a 10-day notice so we are currently talking to a a number of investors um, to actually borrow the additional funds at a higher rate of return so if you are one of our investors who is um, trying to assist us thank you very much and we are talking to a number of investors on that to raise just over half a million pounds that we need to actually secure that site but i'm sure everything will be fine on that and come the next episode of property on fire i'm sure i can give a an, another update as to how we're actually doing on raising those funds but um, i think we'll be okay and we'll see how that pans out but uh, i do try and be positive these days and uh, yeah look these these things happen in property and development and sometimes cash flow you get cash flow pinch points and we we have them on all our sites money runs out temporarily and you know we don't have you know a million pounds sitting in the bank account i'll be quite honest about that it's not sitting there waiting for for a rainy day i wish it was there but it's not and therefore at times we then have to go to our investors talk with them and get them involved so if you fancy being an investor with us then please do get in touch you can actually send me an email uh, probably at investor at leadinghomes.co.uk and we'll be more than happy to have a chat with you with regards to that and what is available uh, but we do have to do a few checks first such as is required under the fca regulations so um yeah so look it'll be fine it'll be fine on that indeed after my appeal last week for anyone that's got any questions or need any help with anything my inbox was then i'm not gonna say flooded 
but certainly uh, there was three or four emails that did come in with uh, queries and questions. And so I'm going to cover a couple of those on this episode. And the first one, that came from Roger. So thank you, Roger, for your message. And it's to do with campsites. And it was a fairly simple question. And it was, which use class is a campsite? Now, the most obvious answer to that is it'll be sui generis. You know, that is what a campsite is normally. It'll be class of sui, sui generis. So what that means is it falls outside of the use class order. So it doesn't come under the use class B, C, um, F1, F2, or the newer use class E. Um, so therefore it falls outside and we, we term that as sui generis. However... When it is not sui generis, it could well be ancillary to something else, okay? So, if, for example, that campsite were to be in the grounds of a school, the campsite would actually be ancillary to the school. And so, therefore, the use class of the campsite would be F1, and F1 is use class of a school or college or university. Um, so therefore, it would take the use class of the, if you like, the uh, superior element or the parent site or the parent use of that particular land. But if you've got a field and agricultural fields are sui generis, so that is where that would come from as well. So you just have to look at each individual case. So whilst we can say offices, for example, will be use class E now, um, if they're ancillary to a factory, then it won't be use class E and it will be use class B2, for example. Um, so you just have to be a little bit careful on campsites that may be part of something else roger so just be careful on that but if you do need further clarification on that or if you want to send me some maps plans or whatever then more than happy to have a a deeper dive into that okay on to c3b dwellings now you may not have heard of a c3b and wondering what on earth is a c3b Okay, this question actually is from Mary, and she asks me, um, do I need further planning to create a C3B dwelling or to move uh, to a C3B? And the simple answer is probably no. Now, first of all, C3B, if you've never heard of it, that covers up to six people living together as a single household and receiving care so some examples may well be supported housing schemes um, such as those for learning difficulties or mental health problems so something like that where an element of care is being provided externally so they're not living on site and providing care on site necessarily but they are a group of people living together as one household and that is the important part it is as one household so these are not individuals who are on a separate ast or anything like that that would be a c4 okay but if it comes under up to six people living together as a single household then that would come under or will probably come under c3b and the important thing is if you've got a c3a which is where you and i 
live okay so that could well be a house flat bungalow stuff like that where one family lives together you can go straight to a c3b without troubling the local authority just go you can just move straight to it now the only caveat to that is if there is some form of planning restriction on the property unlikely but with any use class change anything like that i always say check any previous planning application so just go back on your property go into your local portal within the local authority web website have a search for your dwelling there may well be a map system there so you may well be able to use a map and actually zoom in to your particular property and then if they do have this map you will find a option there to actually search for planning applications for as far back as their records go on online so you can actually go back and then pull up hopefully the planning applications that have gone before and what you're looking for is probably the decision notice on any previous planning applications so just to check on there the fact that c3b dwellings are not blocked by something that's gone on before very very rarely you could get an article four um but i'm not personally aware of an article four that would block a c3b dwelling but that's not to say there isn't one at one around but you just need to make sure on that and if none of those are in occurrence none of those are in existence then you can just go straight ahead and create your c3b dwelling the important part is it must qualify for a c3b now, if you are not sure about the exact wording on that, then you can obviously find information on the Planet Geek website. So I will provide a link to use class C uh, within the show notes for today's episode. Um, and if you go to that page, you'll find uh, C3B about halfway down the page and it will give you the correct definition. So as long as you qualify, as long as that dwelling complies with that legislation for c3b you should be fine so i hope that helps you and thank you once again for your question there our final question today um, actually comes from mark thank you mark for your question uh, and mark has asked me he has recently purchased or not not so long ago has purchased a an old farm Uh, and it contains a number of buildings and within that in the middle there is a barn that had some planning on it to convert that barn to residential use and obviously that planning has not been completed and so Mark is asking me as to whether or not he can carry on with the planning or has it lapsed and would he need to submit new planning well first off mark if an old planning application has been in existence we will call that extant if it is still valid and not lapsed okay now in order to actually establish whether planning is extant then we need to look and see whether or not a a material start has been created okay now this could well be for things like uh, drainage so perhaps drainage has uh, taken place um has some demolition happened 
has any substantial work started to take place and if you can actually establish that these works have taken place then you may be okay now the other thing to establish is as to whether or not building control have been involved so what you need to find out mark is as to whether or not anyone from either the local authority or a private company has been involved on the site for building regulations and for building control if they have been involved then that is a positive and that will add extra evidence uh, for you should the local authority come knocking and asking you questions now the other thing you do need to check is as to whether or not on the application whether there were any pre-commencement conditions now this could be quite important because if those pre-commencement conditions have not been discharged and not been dealt with, then the chances are that the start made on site was not authorised and was not correct, and therefore it doesn't count. And then, unfortunately, the planning will have lapsed or is likely to have lapsed. Now, you do have a couple of options. If you feel that a construction has commenced, perhaps there's some drainage gone in, stuff like that beneath the ground. If you're fairly confident that uh, it is extant, then you have two choices, really. You can either just crack on and do the works and enjoy the planning. Now, depending upon how old that planning is, will determine as to whether how likely the local authority is to come knocking on the door saying excuse me um what's what's happened here um you know have you got planning permission uh, we don't think it's extant we think it isn't correct you'll need to now to put in retrospective planning now you can go ahead and do it that's fine that depends upon your level of comfort as to doing that the alternative route is to put in for a certificate of lawfulness with the local authority and asking them as to whether or not the planning is extant now the risk that you have here is the fact that it will be the views of an officer um, as to whether or not the planning is extant or not if they turn around and in their view say no i don't think it is extant you'll need to put in new planning then you've got a messy sort of route to actually uh, do an appeal and try and get that planning put back in place or you may just concede and go ahead with the a new planning application. So the choice is yours. Personally, I know what I would do, but then not everyone is me. And there is always risks to just going ahead and carrying on. So it really depends, Mark, as to whether or not you want to just crack on and you're fairly confident in the fact that a planning has started just to give you a little bit of comfort here, Mark, according to the Town and Country Planning Act 1990, development is taken to have begun on the earliest date on which a material operation is carried out. Now, it further clarifies what a material operation is, and that can include any works of construction, demolition, digging foundations, laying out, constructing a road, and a material change of the use of the land. So, in other words, any of those could be construction, for example. That is a drainage 
that I referred to earlier. So if any of those things, construction, demolition, foundations, uh, construction of road, that's obviously not going to apply, but material change of use of land, if any of those have taken place before the expiry of the planning application, so within the decision notice, have a check on that and just check on that date. And if any of those have taken place prior to that date, then... According to the Town and Country Planning Act 1990, it should be extant as long as any pre-commencement conditions and anything else in the decision notice have been complied with. So just double check on that, Mark. And if you need any other help, just please feel free to reach out and I'll be more than happy to give you some guidance. Or if it's more involved, then please just book a session with me, planninggeek.co.uk slash Zoom, and we can have a chat over the interwebby as to what you can do and to see if I can spot anything else that may be an issue. Now, I did promise at the start of this episode that I will talk about HMOs and a bit of good news. It is good news because my inbox is often filled with uh, landlords who have an HMO querying the fact that can the local authority charge council tax for each individual resident within that HMO. And unfortunately, there are several cases now where local authorities have indeed started to charge individual residents of that HMO. So instead of getting one council tax for the property, they are indeed getting half a dozen or so, potentially more council taxes on that dwelling however a group of hmo landlords of which i know several of them have haven't taken this lying down if i'm honest um, and have been battling away with their local mps for several months trying to get this altered and finally the government has actually appeared to be listening which is always a first it's always good to know that now within this committee of hmo i certainly know of matt baker wendy whitaker large darren brewer and alan murdy and several others who have been campaigning tirelessly on behalf of all hmo owners and the other day in the house of commons Lucy Fraser stood up and she is the Minister of State uh, for the Department of Leveling Up Housing and Communities. Bit of a mouthful these days. Uh, She actually stood up and said, it is our clear intention for all HMOs to be classified as single dwellings other than in exceptional circumstances. Now, there is some way to go before this amendment will actually become law and will receive royal assent Uh, but when it does it should mean that for the vast majority of HMOs they will only be able to be classified as single residences by local authorities so that is a massive change for residences going on or for HMOs going forward Um, and so a massive great thanks to the guys who have been involved on this committee who have worked tirelessly over recent months to actually get this a further step forward and i'm actually going to hopefully on the next episode of property on fire 
I will get on one of the guys who have been involved from the start to actually let you know exactly what is happening and what the next step is uh, before this will actually become law. Um, and I'm sure they can explain it far better than I can. And so, yes, we'll look forward to that. Hopefully, if I can tie that up, that will be on next week's episode of Property on Fire. So something to look forward to, especially if you've got an HMO. As I said at the beginning of this episode of Property on Fire, a massive thank you to everyone that said welcome back. Um, It is really appreciated because at times you do these podcasts and you think, is anyone actually listening to these? But looking at the download figures, I know you certainly are listening. So thank you to every single one of you that listens to it. And thank you to everyone that submits questions. I want you guys to actually be part of this podcast. Um, I do have several interviews lined up. As I mentioned last week, uh, I've got a few interviews lined up to speak about apps for searching for opportunities, whether they be HMOs, as we talked about, whether they be uh, land opportunities, uh, whether they be conversions of buildings. Um, So we'll be talking to a few of those app uh, companies in the coming weeks. But if you've got a question, just let me know, because even if that question just is for one person, that may well be relevant to other people. So for example, Gary's question today on extant planning there is an awful lot of planning out there that is actually extant and never actually being developed out and it's quite important when you actually go and purchase a building or purchase a house property whatever it might be um, if that's got some old planning on it have a look to see whether that actual planning is extant can you take advantage of it so understanding what that means is useful so thank you gary for your question uh today and indeed for the other questions they are all most welcome and i hope i was able to give you some assistance in those queries now if you've got anything that i can help you with then do as i say get in touch um in propertyonfire.co.uk is the best email for this show alternatively you can get in touch with me via any of the normal channels just please mark your email message whatever with property on fire at some point within it so that i know it is a question for this show and i'll be only too happy to help you in any way that i can on that note if i can help you in your property journey in well for the rest of 2022 and there's not much of that left folks uh but throughout 2023 then please do get in touch keep safe and we'll chat again next tuesday have a wonderful week property on fire with ian walmsley please use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe to the show and if you'd like a question answered on a future episode email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk